different gravy not just another sheffield wednesday podcast i'm one of the hosts richard miller and my co-host keeping himself amused in these trying times by crafting almost plausible health advice on facebook to trick the baby boomers doctor not a real doctor luke gledall how are you doing today luke (laughs) (laughs) you know things like face masks work but only if you smear them in honey the virus hates heat so drink piping hot tea have a bath this in neat bleach, uh, you know, these sort of things that are going around. This is almost liveless, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> People are saying it's Russia. It's actually Luke. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's uh, it's so funny you're joking that I'm doing that, Rich. I've got a we've got a work group chat and a sort of neighborhood group chat and both of them are just it's just how many times per week I can go actually if you look at the BBC they've already poo-pooed that um (laughs) tell people I don't know how many times you can tell people in different ways if it's not on a credible credible news source just ignore it it's probably a lie did you um I recently heard, I think this was probably a few weeks back, but um, I was, uh, it, Kerry Hilson uh, apparently put a post up on her social media saying that the coronavirus was spread by 5G networks, and yeah. then her management told her to take it down, so that was quite funny. Oh, yeah, that's another, um, that's a whole other strand of things, which is really... It is. Not with... something we're probably going to get onto. Or not, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so, uh, not really much happening in, in the in the Wednesday world this week. Uh, some more sort of dribs and drabs of interviews, but nothing nothing even as interesting as we had last week, I, I would say. Yeah. I, I keep saying you think it's true. I was like, can I add anything to that? And the answer is no, not really. <laughs> Read an interview with uh, Carlos Calvajal once again. Yeah, struggling. Struggling to tell you any news, Rich. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, which means we can wander along to our sort of main feature, which is uh, which is me taking us through the uh, through my favourite sort of 10 Wednesday goals of my lifetime. Um, Luke sort of set himself the uh, the the sort of artificial caveat of he had to have witnessed it live. Uh, I've not <laughs> artificial that. caveat. I thought this were the rules we agreed on, sir. <laughs> um, but also, I've what I've done is gone for ten different goals. So there may have been goals in Luke's ten that might have made my top ten, but to sort of um, avoid repeating ourselves and. As we touched on, actually, there's so many <laughs> important and uh, and interesting Wednesday goals when you actually spend the time to look at it. I ended up with a huge list that had about 30 goals on it, and I've winnowed that down to my 10 and honourable men- mentions. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll sort of kick things off, and please do interject where and uh, and prod where where you feel the need to, Luke. Um, 
to start off, just a couple that, that didn't make the cut. Uh, I have very fond memories of Miguel Liera's free kick away against Huddersfield. Um, oh, yes. That was an away oh. day that we, we, we took in together. The birth of the song that he wears, a blackhead guard, and he scores from 30 yards. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Liera. <laughs> and we had a pizza hut before the game. I don't know why that sticks in my memory, but we did. They've got a did pizza, we have a pizza hut on site for the at, game? The, at the John Smiths. How was it? It was. It was. Uh, you know, it was all right. Hot, hurried. <laughs> you know, these things you don't ever really have enough time for that sort of thing. But yeah, it was fine. But it was. Uh, it was a real highlight of one of uh, of his time at Wednesday. I, I. I. I really loved Big Mig and the fact that he was a sort of six two, six three, um, centre back that could just pearl in crosses and uh, free kicks. Uh, what a treat! What a multifaceted chap. And he's now trying to flog some sort of skill headband thing where you kind of um, you wear a headband and, and there's a football on it and uh, teaches you to do keepy-uppies. What a great guy. I love that. I, I love the um, I love the years of kids' toys, which is basically <laughs> like a ball on a dog leash. Um <laughs> It's it's fantastic. I don't really understand how it's actually going to make you any kind of better. In this week, when uh, on the social media, Fernando Forestieri shared um, a little dribbling tip where he's dribbling around his kids' toys inside his home <laughs> as uh, a way to maybe if I practice that, I'll I'll get as good as Fernando Forestieri in in quarantine. Maybe that's the case. Next- a preview of next week's news. Fernando Forestieri tears hamstrings while slipping on a Furby. It's <laughs> a deep cut. The Furby was heard deep to say, bleep, 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 bleep. Just, we sort of talked with the... Marco Matthias last week about kind of a moment and and that the, the moment being exciting and what it kind of proffers for the future and one of the goals that was in that sort of category for me was was uh, Jay Wow Lucas Wow scoring against Brentford away in that first season yes uh, it just a tremendous solo effort and coming away thinking what an amazing player we must have signed. Uh, but I do think that was the start of him being pretty badly mismanaged by Carlos, because I don't think Carlos liked him sort of stealing his shine. Um, and then there was just lots of Ross Wallace efforts when you look through, but particularly his goal against Preston is absolutely incredible. Uh, just cutting inside and slotting it into the near post in a way that the keeper just couldn't save it, even though he was pretty well positioned uh that stood out a mile the so those are my lucas jaywell goal against yeah. brentford to interject um enjoyable for the fact that he sends uh young future piglet jack o'connor jack o'connell sorry for a for a hot dog but an absolutely rolls him and it's just it just drips with swag really it does <laughs> the kind of quotes of kids the fact that he does that little celebration afterwards yeah, the, and it was a real kind of like was it a last minute gloss goal? It was. It was um, I think it was a winner. I think it was one one, and he made it two one. I, I thought it was three one. I thought he scored. Maybe it was three one. Maybe it was. 
Are you looking it up? Yeah. <laughs> Although he did win it, I thought it was a three-one goal. Yeah, no, it was the it was it was and one it of was those last minutes as well. Yeah, last uh, minute winner. Yeah, it was a it was a special special moment because that's why it was like I think if you if it was the like cherry on top finish, that's one thing. But the, that much swagger when it matters so much is frankly mm-hmm. ridiculous. It is. <laughs> so um, this is me cheating slightly, but I've got a roll a roll up into my uh, number ten position. <laughs> so Chris Brunt was one of my favourite Wednesday players ever, um, and I've picked out a few of his goals, and then one of them is my number ten. So personally. His goal against Wrexham, which was a tremendous sort of deep free kick uh, at Wrexham, was special to me because uh, that was my, my sister who I go, go to games with. That's that that was the season that she she got bitten by the Wednesday bug, uh, and that game was her first game. So we were sat actually in the Wrexham end. I, I live in I live close to North Wales. Um, Wrexham's one of my kind of local teams. I, I do you know follow their results same as i do chester uh but that that three uh three nil win against wrexham was a real treat (laughs) it's it's crap being in the in with the home fans uh when you lose it's really great fun when you win because just sitting there with your little secret that you actually are really happy um is a is a is a real treat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, Brunt curling in his effort in front of the Wednesday fans was 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 the was the standout moment of that day. Um, he also scored an incredible goal against Coventry uh, from probably I, I think he was just inside his own half and he sort of volleyed it, um, looping it over the keeper. It was just amazing, one of the best things I've ever seen in football. Um, but, you know, kind of speculative as an effort. So the one that makes it into the top 10 is where he chipped the Leeds goalie from about 40 yards out at Elland Road, um, nicking the ball off the defender, dropping his shoulder and beating the defender. And at the same time, you actually see him look to see where the goalie is. And in a split second, he just, like a golf shot, wedges it just over the keeper into the far far uh, side of the goal. Absolutely wonderful goal uh, and a, a great player to have had at Wednesday for a, for a time. How where did where did you had a period of of sort of absconding, didn't you, Luke? Was was Brunt? Did you miss all of Brunt? I did miss all of Brunt, unfortunately. I think when I came in, the only Brunt news was basically um, remember a Star article about you know in our. It was during that time, I think, it was kind of coming in with Brian Laws. It was essentially, I think, Dave Allen had kind of absconded. Mm. It, it just kind of took off. And um, I remember a piece of news about the fact that we were expecting a, a nice little uh, follow-up payment for oh, the yeah. Chris Brunt deal. And then basically the new, like, thinking, oh, what riches we can do with this because we were just beyond skint and needed to yeah. really spend some money on players, which never really happened. And um, we'd already budgeted for it. 
which was fantastic. Oh, excellent, yeah. That was one of the interesting things when you sort of picking through trying to find video clips of some of these goals. Um, one one thing I will say is uh, there won't be clips of all of the goals that I mentioned because, unfortunately, um, the football just wasn't as freely distributed <laughs> at some of the period of periods of time that I'm talking about than it, than it is now. It's a shame, um, but that football sort of cottoned on late. All sport really has cottoned on late to the fact that actually letting people share the good bits of your sport is quite a good thing to do. Um, <laughs> it's taken a while, but uh, used to be videos were hoiked down all the time. So, you know, things like a sort of season review for that season would be lovely to have, but it doesn't seem to exist anywhere easily. Um, so following that, that uh, actually both two of those, the, the second two of those goals were, were in our first season back in the championship. Um, but I do remember that very, that first season back after we got promoted uh, was pretty miserable. It was tough because we didn't spend any money. We had a team that finished fifth and we didn't spend any money when we got promoted really um Sturrock seemed to be always in some form of dispute with Dave Allen which I would heartily be on Paul Sturrock's side in um Dave Allen seems like an awful awful man um and we basically went straight into a relegation dogfight. You know, we went from promotion to a relegation dogfight. But one of the standout moments of that next season, uh, we have, I've written horrible season, horrible game, horrible team to be in the mire with. Uh, it's a goal that Frankie Simek scored against Millwall away. Um, it was just a win full of bile and schadenfreude. Um, and as a result, I... <laughs> I definitely sent a nasty message to Rod Liddell off the back of it as well. Um, <laughs> but Paul Sturrock had this thing where he thought, this was in the days of five subs, and he thought it was a waste to have a goalkeeper on the bench. Uh, it took away an option. You very rarely, you know, it's quite rare a goalkeeper gets injured or, or uh, gets sent off. So for the, you know, for the one or two times a season that that happens, you're better off having another player in the mix. And by and large, I think probably that was a good, a good thing. But when your goalkeeper is David Lucas, who, I mean, we talk about people being made of biscuits, but he was made out of rusks. You know, something particularly um, soft and malleable in the biscuit family <laughs> is, is what Dave Lucas's knees were made of by the time he ended up at Hillsborough. His uh, knees were not made for dunking then, Rich. Absolutely not. Keep them away from your tea, whatever you do. Um, but what basically what happened was Bullen ended up in goal for, well, I think all of the second half, maybe an hour of the game, Lee Bullen ended up in goal. And... Um, just about kept a clean sheet. They thought they'd scored. He took the 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 goal kick after you know after this sort of melee. They were still celebrating in the corner. There's a huge ruckus at their end of the pitch, and Frankie Simek came away with the goal and a, and a win that was absolutely essential to us because Millwall went down that season, I think, instead of us effectively, and so beating them at their place one 0 was all important and just yeah 
football, I think I'm definitely one of those people that hates losing more than I love winning, but I do love winning. And it was just in in that, in like 10 seconds, you had the agony of, oh crap, we've let in a goal. This, what's this, you know, how are we going to survive to what's going on? What's this noise? Simex scored. <laughs> and a lot of my big memories are actually... Radio Sheffield have have led me through them, you know. Uh, that was an away day that I wasn't able to go to, so enjoyed through the excitement of uh, of Radio Sheffield, who, commentary wise, by and large, do a, a splendid job. I've got to say. So well, I'm just watching th- this uh, goal back while you talk of it. it is something yeah. I've seen before in the past. It is, it it there really is something that is so surreal that cameras can't really capture, yeah. like. Yes. You're just focusing on one piece of the whole thing. The you know the the whole entire game is happening in the periphery of this camera that's capturing this. So this is the only outside of memories. This is the only thing we have that documents this. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just so strange because like they kind of zoomed in on the celebration. Yeah, and then you've got basically like how many have we got here? We've got about we've got seven Millwall players celebrating <laughs> on the side, and just kind of come to them, and it just pans out. It's just some insane rugby game. Like, what the hell is going on here? It's just madness. And we go to the other end, and but then actually knowing that fact, you're there thinking it feels hard work that we. Nobody still needed. There's still still Millwall players back. Yeah, yeah. Like two or three. (laughs) There's there's more than that near the end, I guess. Near the end, definitely, yeah. It's (laughs) ridiculous. But yeah. But just, yeah, just incredible. Um, And the, the, yeah, the relief was just unbelievable. Speaking of uh, sticking on this sort of Schadenfreude theme, um, no, number eight, I've gone for Glenn Leuven's scoring away at Newcastle on, uh, I believe it was Boxing Day. It might have been New Year's Day. No, Boxing Day it would have been. Um, it was an away day I, I went to. It was my first trip I've ever made to, to St. James's Park, or, or as it's now called, uh, Sports Directly Up, Mike Ashley's Chuff Stadium. Um <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Newcastle were the the Sky Sports favourite team for that season. You know, everything they did was wonderful and they couldn't get enough of Rafa Benitez. And I think for the first time in living history, they were on TV more than Leeds United. Um, and it just felt so good to go there and do absolutely do a number on them. Uh, we were We were the better team against... What was you know far and away supposedly the best team in our league? Do you have many memories of that game? I don't. No, sorry, I can't contribute on this one. That's okay. But um, basically, it was it was a bit of a scrappy goal, but it's the it's the first goal Leuven's ever scored for Wednesday, and I think it was in like his hundredth game. Or oh something. no, sorry, I do remember this one. Yeah, I do. Apologies. So, yeah, there's a corner in a header from Lee's that tested the goalkeeper Forestieri sort of recycled the ball quite cleverly and uh, Leuven's nodded it in at the near post and 
the, the almost the best thing about the game though was John Joe Shelby afterwards sort of licking his wounds and telling himself that it would all be better in the Premiership and teams don't do that in the Premier League just <laughs> you know in the Premier League people stand off and let him have his one hard shot of the game before he drifts out of any meaningful existence in that oh, same yeah. game oh dear but yeah so that was a that was a it, you know, slapping it up your uh, for for one of a better phrase, um, and that is a coarse, awful phrase. I'm sorry about that, but um, you know, doing that to to sort of the, the media darlings is is just always a lovely thing to be able to do. <clears throat> do you know somebody that didn't make my list or your list, but does deserve a sort of honourable mention of his own? Is Jermaine Johnson? I found it very difficult to look at my own list and not include something that was Jermaine. I tried to I know. really include. So actually, I almost there's something I almost kind of put in maybe a little, a little uh, DVD extra. Um, here's a kind of deleted scene blooper, <laughs> or you know maybe a little bit of uh, some press interviews on a terrible film. Um, but I would say the greatest miss, um, which is actually, which is almost probably something we could probably quickly do <laughs> in a different episode, um, but not the greatest miss in the way that I think that you can kind of think about this. So do you remember the game in the, uh, in the game we went down where we played Preston? Yes, yes. Do you remember that night game? So it was a game we lost 2-1 and uh, Mickey Gray scored a really good free kick. Yes, yeah. Do you remember basically just an absolute impeccable daisy cutter at the cop end oh. from outside the box from Jermaine Johnson, which yeah. hit the post, came back to him nice symmetrically, and then he did the same shot again, yes. which hit the post. The post. Oh yes, oh, it was phenomenally agonizing. <laughs> like it really just exists, and it's it's like the Schrodinger's cat of <laughs> the cat is agonizing. The cat is phenomenal. <laughs> it was both that in the same place. It's really one of those looking back to you know. The referee should have given it a goal on artistic merit. <laughs> just, I think, really, because it was just incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was that was tough. A tough, tough watch. But I really wanted to put Jermaine Johnson in somewhere because Jermaine Johnson was such a, you know, as previously said by a friend of the podcast, my uh, old work colleague Paul. <laughs> He's a mouse in a bucket. We just don't know what he's going to do. He just didn't know what he was going to do. Like that mouse in a bucket. <laughs> mouse in a bucket. <laughs> and uh, a reference which you said was terrible on the previous podcast. <laughs> but it kind of makes sense to me. I don't know. It's it's maybe both Schrodinger's cat of terrible and fantastic as well. <laughs> we just don't know. Um, but he was, yeah, someone who we got on an absolute song and really just lifted the spirits with, you know, someone who could be a bit of a, a game changer, someone who gave, 
you know, a bit of speed and, you know, just that skill of being able to run with the ball that quickly. Yeah. Is really kind of a little bit like, you know, I, I feel like I talk about Chris O'Grady's. Um, the thing I absolutely adored about Chris O'Grady was that little trick he would do where he would, he had this inceptional kind of lovely cultured way of dragging the ball off with his with his foot, you know, with yes. his instep. You know, when he was kind of holding the ball up and it, it just looked it looked like 400 times better than what it was. <laughs> and it made him you look know, that was, it made him look like some you know, like some um, some real diamond in the rough, like you know, it's a weird element to his game that made him look world class for, for yes. those seconds. And I, I think like really, the chest. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like there are these weird nuances of players' skills that will never get captured in Football Manager, no. and um, nor nor should they be. So it's <laughs> no. it's a lovely it's a lovely special ability. I'd like to say maybe it could be like a special power like that's just effective once every eight games <laughs> eight games in very small moments like it wins it wins some very small nuanced uh insurmountable battles basically yes. so anyway that i think that's a similar thing with jermaine johnson just actually i i think it's probably a skill set which I don't think we've seen anywhere else or we see so rarely that it actually becomes something that's actually his own. Yeah. I mean, his sort of pace could take, can take you so far in the game. Can't it? And he did play some time in the premier league, um, sort of early on in his career. And that's how quick he was and how good he was at running with the ball. I think, he didn't seem to have much control over anything else, but I think given enough chances, he he produced some incredible goals for us. It's just it could literally it could go anywhere, couldn't it? It was um, just like that mouse in a bucket. Uh, I my, my trouble with the mouse in the bucket analogy is, I, what are the options for a mouse in a bucket? <laughs> just to get into this. He's probably going to be in a bucket. That's true. At least Jermaine Johnson would beam in. He did. He did beam in some rather fantastic goals. So, oh, so anyway, sorry. Goal. Are you? Are you going to? You know, my I'm favorite player on. at that point, and I had his name on the back of my one of my earliest Wednesday shirts, which I don't know if I still have. I thought it would be a shame if we talked about best Wednesday goals in our lifetime and, and he didn't get a mention, even if there's not one standout effort. I think that was the tricky thing for me. I sort of came down to actually actually what goals have stuck with you. And there was no sort of pivotal, important goal that I could remember of Jermaine Johnson's, even though, you know, you watch a highlights video backed by some dodgy, dodgy reggae music on YouTube and there's tons of really good goals. None of them st- have stuck with me in the way that the ones on my list have, you know, they're ones that are, I just, yeah. those moments are fond in my memory. 
years and years later, even if maybe it wasn't that important in the end or, you know, whatever. So <clears throat> the next goal on my list, speaking of people who were sort of occasionally effective in weird ways, um, scored by James Quinn, who spent, I think, about eight months on loan with us, barely ever troubled the goal, the score sheet at all, despite being a striker, but kind of had a weird class to his play, particularly back to goal, a very sort of effective sort of kind of player. Um, and his goal against Hull was really pivotal again in that promotion season. So we'd started off badly that season, then Sturrock came in and we hit an incredible run of form uh, when Sturrock came in. But then uh, Steve McLean got injured and we'd by the time we, we, we came to meet Hull, uh, we hadn't won a game in seven. Um, we were obviously missing our best goal scorer, and we were in real danger of slipping out of the the, the playoffs with a, with a game or two left to play. And Hull were right there with us. They uh, they they could have overtaken us if they'd won that game. Uh, we went. Uh, Drew Talbot scored. We went into the lead. They they equalised, which I think put how would have had them basically it would have put us in a position where the last game of the season against Bristol City was absolutely pivotal. Uh, but it's stoppage time winner from a man who never, ever scored uh, meant that we didn't have to worry about that last game of the season. Uh, we won 2-1 away at Hull. Uh, again, this is a goal that is not particularly memorable in and of itself. It's scrappy um, and from my perspective, was enjoyed, you know, in my room listening to Radio Sheffield and then celebrated with a massive hug with Suze, uh, as because we knew we were in the playoffs as a result of that win. And, and the picture of Quinn kind of grabbing and shaking the net afterwards is one that sort of lives long in the memory. <laughs> um, another one just sort of quickly sort of, you know, this is a, again a moment uh, Gary Medine against Chesterfield. Um, I think I and lots of people who love football have a special place in your heart for kind of your 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 lead striker. He they're kind of the rock stars of 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 the of the footballing world. You know, you want to hear about their womanizing and their excesses and things like that. And Medine did all of that. <laughs> Um, and in particular, that first year under Megson, the first full season under Megson, he looked the business. I, I loved watching him. I, I didn't, by the time I was sort of aware and conscious, David Hurst was well and truly sort of on the way down in his career. I didn't get much of his kind of prime to enjoy. And I think Medine was the closest thing to kind of that sort of player. Um, you were a fan of Big Gaz as well, weren't you, Luke? I like Big Gaz. I love the. Uh, I don't. Did we ever figure out the name for the whole? Uh, you know, thumb on no. the nose and pinky extended. The whole Geordie uh, Shaw. Geordie gesture. Geordie gesture, yes. <laughs> but it we felt like did. it was. It felt like he was on a rocket to superstardom, and either we'd make loads of money out of him, or we'd be there with him. And that goal against Chesterfield. From, scored from from sort of 25 yards out, it, it felt like he scored it purely on the basis of his confidence. It, it, it wasn't a great effort. <laughs> I think the keeper sort of palmed it into his own net. But it was just like, 
you know, the assist came from his ego and the second assist was his self-belief. You know, it was <laughs> he was just so full of it in a good in the best possible way. And you need that from strikers. They need to be selfish and up themselves <laughs> to be really good at what they do. And for a time, he was absolutely that. Um, sadly, it all kind of fell away. And there was all sorts, obviously, we all know the, the issues and problems that he had towards his, at the end of his time at, at Wednesday. I also did, just enjoyed, um, he got a double against, was it uh, Cardiff, maybe? But... It, it was the Dave Jones was this is like just before he kind of in the midst of his troubles really, but he scored and was giving the big eye you know the big one to the to the manager at the time in Dave Jones. It's really incredible to see, <laughs> um, you know, fat old Dave Jones almost getting into a punch up with his own star striker. Um, anyway, let's move along from Big Gaz. <laughs> To um, another big gas, but in a different way. Uh, <laughs> Hooper versus Birmingham. Uh, another away day. So truly horrible. Yes. Pitch was sodden, just constant rain. They were using some sort of big foam roller to try and keep the match from happening, you know, keep the match on. Um, bits of the pitch were bare and pulling up in places, and the ball wasn't rolling truly in, in a lot of places. Um, we were second best for probably about an hour of the game and one nil down. Um, and it was one of those transformative Atty appearances where he didn't manage to get on the score sheet, but really changed the way we were able to play when he came on. Um, and the, that, the first goal, uh, was just some of the very best of Carlos ball, I think, Quick, incisive passing. Bannon has a one-two with Forestieri. Uh, feeds in Hooper just outside the box. He drops his shoulder, beats the two standing defenders, and then absolutely thumps it into the goal. Hit uh, top corner, and uh, just that beautiful aesthetic of it kissing the bar on the way in. Just the icing on the cake. A very very nice cake. Uh, it's such a great goal. And then obviously the game, uh, we went on to win the game. Hooper scored again. It, it gave us the uh, the amazing shocked Brummy meme that still lives with us today. And it was right at the height of uh, the Hooper song, the Depeche Mode uh, inspired Hooper song, which, uh, you know, we went, you went away from the match with that ringing in your ears. It was, it was a great, great away day as part of a great season. Remember, yes. I remember texting you a picture, or sending you a picture of them rolling the side of the pitch because it was just, it was a pond, wasn't it? Basically, <laughs> I think at the time we were losing, so I was hoping that the the game might get called off <laughs> when I was sending that. So we're, we're just now fantastic in- stuff. Yeah, that's a that's a real kind of pivotal moment in Gary Hooper's time at Wednesday. I think. Yes. Yeah. And just a real reflection on such a, uh, you know, such a great player for us in those times. And, you know, they talk about good players not needing, you know, you don't need a huge wind up to produce that sort of power. I mean, he barely moves his foot to produce such an incredible shot that the keeper would have had no 
thought that it was going to end up where it ended up. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant goal. Um, to stick on that sort of, these are a mixture, obviously, of kind of great moments that came from goals and also just great bits of technique. And I, I think technique-wise, it doesn't get much better than Reach and his goal against Aston Villa. Um, we touched on it mm-hmm. last week. It, it didn't qualify for your list for the uh, the aforementioned reason. I'm allowing it. Uh, I'm allowing myself this goal because we only just missed it, <laughs> <laughs> and the technique was out of this world. Uh, and I think we did actually watch it on the streets on New York, didn't we? We I actually. So, yes. I think Eve Iver brought it up on Twitter. Yes. You know, we're starting to get to the you know the time when technology is now allowing basically people to even record what's happening live. And then, you know, send us a gift or, you know, yes. a short video on social media. So you and I did get to see the deliciousness that was Adam Reach's goal against Aston Villa. Almost the second, you know, seconds after it happened. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fine. <laughs> um, but just incredible, you know, 18 seconds from the kickoff, the usual sort of pass backwards, ending up with a thump up field from Westwood. Hooper sort of bails on going you know challenging for the header but sort of nudges his defender so he heads it straight up in the air wallace snaps onto it and nudges it into the middle of the pitch and reach just steps onto the volley perfectly lobbing the goalkeeper even though he was well positioned swerving dipping and dropping into the top corner uh just an amazing goal really brilliant and all on our first morning in new york and it set us off on a lovely trip did indeed <laughs> It did indeed. And how about the fact that um, do you think it's interesting in that game how maybe wasn't the best goal of that game? As um, it was the it was the John McGinn goal, wasn't it? Oh, the McGinn goal was unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's horses for courses. It is. Both, it is very close. I mean, obviously, we would be biased, but that was that McGinn goal was 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 uh, a real special one, definitely. It was. I think it's, um, but maybe it was a little bit frustrating for me again that kind of situation with the, you know, Matthias goal that you know the gloss was taken off it from the opposition scoring. Again, well, we there, needs, of, there needs to be more points given for artistic merit, really. <laughs> we had one of those oh-so-rare um, Jordan Rhodes goals, though, that, that made, made sure that we won. That was, and that was quite a good goal as well. Probably yeah, an, more an, of a kind of well-made team goal, wasn't it? It was. So, we're, um, we're entering my, my top three now. Uh, number three, and... I think for a treat, I will I, I will put the commentary, the Radio Sheffield commentary of this on because it is really fun. Um, it's Kieran Lee versus Rotherham. Uh, <laughs> Good choice, sir. Good choice. What a goal that is. I mean, it was a crazy roller coaster of a game. Uh, again, sort of out for for probably the first hour. Um, then we sort of managed to scramble in an equaliser and instantly allowed them to score again. Uh, then, you know, Steve, do you want to see my welly? Evans limbers onto the pitch with his trousers falling down around his waist. 
<laughs> and then not only do we equalise, but we get a winner. Uh, and what a winner! Kieran Lee's finish in that in that game it's well worth uh, repeat viewing. Um, you know, he gets played through the sort of a scramble after a, after a corner, and, and we manage to sort of recycle the ball again. Um, and Lee gets played a lovely through ball gets played in for Lee, and just slots it under the goalkeeper like it is absolutely nothing, despite the fact it's like the 97th minute in a heated local derby, and he's just got the winner. It's unbelievable the ice that that man has running through his veins at certain moments. They should sort of, you know, when he uh, shuffles off this mortal coil, they should they should do studies on, on Kieran Lee. Because if you could bottle what he has in the 95th minute in the penalty area... Um, you'd be able to sell it for a lot of money, I would think. <laughs> 98th minute, according to the chef on Wednesday. Um, YouTube, which again, yeah. I'm just watching it back. Nice. Is that possibly the latest goal in Sheffield Wednesday's history scoring? It's got to be right up there, hasn't it? And it was there was a bit of a background because that was... Um, Rotherham sort of moved into their new stadium. Their manager was giving it the big one that now it was like Rotherham were one of the were the big team really in the region, and the Sheffield teams were on the way out and stuff. And it just there was so many. And Steve Evans was just such an unlikable thumb of a man. Um, just so much kind of fed into it. Oh, it was incredible to get that win. Incredible. <laughs> um. So my yeah, we're into the top two. Um, I've got Wallace against Brighton in the home uh, semi-final of the playoffs. Uh, just an absolutely magical night. Uh, I think looking, you know, one of the saddest things looking back is how we wholly failed to capitalise on that tremendous feeling that went around Hillsborough that night. And it was the same feeling that we had actually after we lost the final against Hull. You know, that... uh, My whole time being a Wednesday fan and kind of following, sort of looking at, like, uh, it was sort of the early days of message boards and things like that. So um, I spent a lot of time on Owls Talk, Owls Online and, and... but the, so there was a real schism in the um, the fan base for a long time. There was a lot of the there was a black balloon thing. There was Ken Bates. There was all this back and forth. Some people picked the picked uh, the chairman's uh, Dave Allen's side in it. Other people w- were were on the fan side, and um, just all this sort of stuff was there. You know, that's all the history. And on those two occasions, it was just like you know what, none of that. It's all nonsense when if we can get it right on the football pitch. It's all nonsense. We all want this team to go and do well. And that's kind of the only thing that matters, really. <laughs> and that was that night just sort of summed it up. And it was you you could the feeling in the stadium was unbelievable. And the fact that all those I think there was three Brighton players went down injured. And it was just almost like they just couldn't take the pressure and intensity from the team, obviously, but from the fans as well. We just wanted it so much more than Brighton. It was Mm -hmm. tangible. And that goal is 
just wonderful. <laughs> um, and the fact that we had all the all the all the uh, the cameras in the stadium mean that you know when when Wallace un- unleashes that half volley that sort of curls away from one defender, two defenders, and then the goalkeeper. The beautiful thing is we've got the camera angle right behind Wallace. So you can watch the ball going in and you can watch almost Hollywood style the faces of the players as they reach out for this ball and miss it as it goes into the corner. Uh, very reminiscent of Cantona's goal in the FA Cup final um, with the, against the Liverpool Spice Boys. You know, just curling away. Everybody's trying to get a, something on it and they just can't. They've, not, they've misread the flight altogether. Um, just, yeah. Just a, a great, great goal and a great night. And another one in terms of, of, of kind of memes created. It's also, if you remember, Forestieri did his um, hands on head because we'd had a goal, a perfectly good goal disallowed earlier in the game. And uh, when Wallace was celebrating his, Forestieri went up and did like that. Oh, no, it's been disallowed, uh, which, which Wallace did believe for <laughs> A brief moment, and that is something that still happens in our celebrations amongst the players all these years later. <laughs> How was that night for you, sort of from afar? Oh, you know, it's really funny. You know, I remember seeing the game, I remember being, you know, I just felt so kind of I was excited, but I felt so kind of external from it all, right. Like, I think it really was definitely, especially that season, it was, there was a lot of FOMO. You know, I, yeah, well, actually, not actually a fear, it's actually a, a Romo, it's a realization of missing out. Yes. Like, the fact that I couldn't be there, you know, for elements like that was, was disappointing. Yeah. To me. But um, still, but still kind of drinking in and enjoying just everything that we kind of picked up on. Um, I think it really probably manifests. I think it it um, feels very um, apt that basically that season ended with my experience of trying to watch the playoff final. Oh, yeah. At, I went to a local bar which was supposed to open at 8 a.m. to cover the game, which was at 3 p.m., you know, uh, Greenwich meantime. Mm. And uh, the bar didn't seem to open for another 10 minutes. We then got in. So already, apparently, from what people told me, I'd actually missed Wednesday's best spell of the game. Right, yes, yeah. <clears throat> um, and the internet connection for the service didn't work. Oh, dear. So I was sat there in a pub with 18 of a Wednesdayites. Oh I counted them in Calgary. This was the ship and anchor. And, um, and one whole fan. <laughs> one whole fan. Which one, echoed the situation in the stadium. Which was very true, yeah. And then people, some people managed to watch it on their phones. Okay. So I could hear the sound of people watching it on their phones. Oh, so I actually left about the 40th minute to go back to my then apartment and watch the rest on a dodgy stream, which is then, you know, obviously when I saw the, uh, the, the army goal, yeah. um, it, really felt um kudos to the pub they actually gave me my pint for free 
Okay. Because it was just so underwhelmingly oh, poor. Yeah. Oh, so that adds just a little bit of a uh, little bit of salt to the story. I actually got into the pub at eight. I just walked straight in when people were waiting outside. Oh, so right. I'm like, why would I wait outside? And then the guy was like, How did you get in? I was like, I just walked <laughs> in the door. And he's like, We're not ready yet. Just you have to leave. Oh wow. like, oh, fuck's sake. It was just <laughs> it was just such a Tim Pot experience of something that should have yeah. been huge, monumental. And I thought if this was Liverpool or Man United or any of your of your uh, any of your glory hunting you know yeah. <laughs> teams in the bloody pram, this wouldn't be happening. It was no. so annoying. So it's just put like a really bad taste for watching football in a bar. The only thing that I think's really kind of been outside of that was me and you watching. <clears throat> me and you watching Wednesday against beat Villa. That's yes. uh, it, you know with the New York Owls. Yeah, that was, York, that was a treat. Which is something, which is a bit of a treat. Um, so yeah, everything. Yeah, basically just to sum up, it. You know, so it was strange. I didn't really fully get the breadth of the moments. And actually, it was the season after they brought in iFollow, I believe. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't get to see some of the just, uh, you know, the Carvajal team in its stride and in its pomp. Yeah. Those moments of me getting to see those things outside of highlights were were rare and far between and and a shame that I think the first game I think covered on iFollow was I think when we lost the first game of the season to Preston. Right, yes. Following season, which was just an incredibly underwhelming situation. <laughs> that game already Without the fact that also it was the first iteration of iFollow where you're watching with the um, no commentary. So it kind of feels like surreal. You're just getting the, the um, you're just getting the noise from the crowd. Right. And also what would typically happen was it would get out of sync as well. So in the end, I just learned to just watch those games early on mute, basically. Because I, I didn't want um, some crowd noise to spoil what was about to happen. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's uh, that's very unfortunate timing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Well, um, maybe the maybe eventually with cyclical natures, maybe eventually the Wednesday Revolution will be tele- will be televised, Rich. Oh. Worldwide. Worldwide, exactly, in HD, and all your gubbins. <laughs> all your gubbins. Thanks, Grandad. <laughs> <laughs> so, my uh, my number one goal, uh, controversial in some ways, it's a penalty. <laughs> um, very, very, very interesting. <laughs> this is, this sports- is very interesting. Sports so rarely gives us the perfect story wrapped up in a bar, and when you apply that to Sheffield Wednesday, it counts double. Uh, but wow. Steve McLean scoring against Hartlepool in the League One playoff final, 
uh, is about wow, as close okay. as it gets. Um, he'd broken his foot on 19 goals. He'd been out for about eight weeks. Um, we basically lost hope of having him for, for the rest of the season. You know, he was he was going to fall short of that personal milestone, and the team had lost their uh, their best striker. And then uh, wily old Paul Sturrock sprung a surprise on everyone, and McLean was uh, was on the bench on on the, the day of the final. Um, there was lots of you could like literally hear every time the team was read out, everybody that was new to the stadium for that period of time was sort of go, like, oh, McLean's playing, oh, McLean, oh, McLean's in the bench. You know, like you'd just hear the chatter every single time that the team sheet was read out out loud. Um, just a tangible excitement and and maybe tangible worry on the side of the Hartlepool fans as well. Um, we were trailing late on in the game. Uh, seems to be a bit of a common theme. And Sturrock rolled the dice at the 77th minute. He made all three of his subs. So he brought on Paddy Collins, Drew Talbot and Steve McLean. Um, five minutes later, Drew Talbot won a penalty. And Hartlepool's captain, uh, Ashley Westwood, was sent off as well. Uh, McLean steps up. He hadn't touched the ball after coming on. Uh, this is how I remember it anyway. Uh, so literally, <laughs> his first touch of a football in anger for, for eight weeks is a penalty in the 83rd minute um, in this in this playoff final. And he puts it down the middle. The keeper got a touch, but no, there was no way he was saving it. He hit it well, you know, much too hard. So he's got his 20 goals for the season. Uh, we obviously drew the game, the, drew the sort of full, t- you know, full time as a draw, and then we went on to to win four two with with wonderful goals from from Whelan and Talbot. But those two don't happen or matter if if McLean doesn't get his goal. But it was just one of those things where it's like you try to spring that trick on teams, and you try and you know, oh well, we'll he's going to be just about ready. We'll, we'll bring him on for a boost, or we'll, have it, we'll name him on the team sheet for a boost. And then quite often they've just got nothing left or they're not, you know, they're miles away. I mean, I'm sure he was miles away from normal fitness and touch and things like that. He can't have been training at all. I mean, if you look at the dates and, and how long it takes to recover from that injury, he, he would have barely been able to kick a ball before uh, the, the game. So just amazing that he was able to do it. And it is one of my one of my absolute favourite Wednesday memories. That was a special team. I think Sturrock was definitely one of these managers that managed to get way more than, uh, you know, the sum of the parts out of that team. Uh, a, a very sort of likeable chap as well. Um, maybe one maybe my one of my favourites or, or maybe my favourite Wednesday manager of my whole time sort of following uh, the club. And... Uh, it, that day out was amazing. It was such a gorgeous sunny day, and everybody was wearing blue and white because that's Hartlepool's colours as well as ours. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> um, and I think there's something. There was something special about Cardiff hosting those sort of games because Wembley is, you know, it's a tremendous stadium. It's a huge spectacle, but it's there's nothing there. You know, it, it's there's no kind of. It doesn't have an atmosphere around it. It's it's in the middle of nowhere everything that's built is built to be close to Wembley um <clears throat> there's no culture there's no vibe of its own and the, the the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff is the opposite of that it's right in the 
hub. It's right in the city centre. So just it was just fun to be in and around the city that day. Everybody was in such a good mood, and uh, and it all it all worked out for us. I mean, obviously, I would have felt differently if I was a Hartlepool fan <laughs> about things because it was it was a pretty soft penalty, but um, it all worked out for Wednesday, and it was an absolute treat to be to be you know a, a spectator of and part of the day so there you go that's my list luke <clears throat> fantastic yeah thank you I for f- sharing <laughs> i felt you'd really laid down a gauntlet you see last week and uh, um <laughs> had to try and had to try and get somewhere near your your high bar just as a recap, I remembered this as you went into your second goal. Um, but I think I want to say one thing we missed from the Kieran Lee uh, 90 plus 8 minute, just as an addendum. Um, the Paul Smith celebrating. That's his name? Yes. Paul Smith, is you, celebrating yeah. with the Wednesday fans. Paul Smith um, ex Wednesday physio. It is Paul Smith, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is great. You know, lifelong Wednesdayite as well. You know, rejected. You know, rejected from the academy, so had like a bit of a, bit of a kind of failed um, footballing career. But I'm, um, you know, but an impeccably successful um, physio career. Obviously, he's. Um, He's the son of um, classic Sheffield Wednesday physio for the classic 90s team and the England team, um, Alan Smith as well. Yes. And so to just have that moment for him, um, to just go over and just celebrate with <laughs> celebrate with the team. Is... Well, as well, can you, you, you know, can you imagine what it's like having to, uh, you know, subject yourself to an hour and a half of Steve Evans just sniping and whatever else chuntering away. And especially when he thought he'd won the game, I bet, you know, just, yeah, the, uh, the, the sort of explosion of excitement (laughs) as a Wednesday fan (laughs) died in the wall in that situation. Ah, just amazing. Amazing to be part of. And it's lovely to see him join those celebrations, (laughs) giving Kieran Lee a big kiss. Yeah, that's a it's a it's a great moment. It's what I think. What I would encourage people. It, it's been hugely um, enlightening uh, um, to to do what you know, picking out those favorite goals. I would encourage people to to do a bit of that themselves because it's it really lifts the spirits. I think, and uh, that's what we all need a little bit of at this this period of time. I completely agree. <laughs> there's not much in the way of other business really is there at this point Luke there is not any AOB as we would say in a work term (laughs) you know as I'm wearing my work headset and the extension of work is now just invaded everybody's homes because all of our lives happen in our homes now this is what happens this is what life is now yes But yeah, I, I would I would say yeah, definitely a worthwhile and fun thing to do 
uh, looking through some of those classic goals. Once again, where I can, I will um, I'll drop them in to the uh, the show notes so you can you can enjoy the ones that we've picked out. But uh, yeah, have a little furrow around yourself. It's a it's a rewarding experience. So um, yeah, on that note, I'm going to say cheery bye, Luke. Uh, cheery bye to yourself, Rich. Um, I'll, yeah, have a good week. You too. <laughs> Look after yourself, folks. At the other end, here's Jordan Barry. Barry coming forward with a chance maybe to win it for Rotherham. Barry scores. Seconds after Wednesday equalised. Jordan Barry has won it for Rotherham. Steve Evans is on the pitch. Wednesday so careless at the back, but the Rotherham fans won't care. Jordan Barry scores, and it's Rotherham two. Wednesday one. McGugan, so a free kick, John, and a chance to get it into the box again. Yeah, I'm sure McGugan's going to take this. It's out a little bit wider. Probably similar to the Blackpool uh, goal that he got. Knew he was in there, and just behind him is Tom Lees and Claude Dielna. McGugan's crossed. Oh. Yes! Eliza, it's Atty Nuiu in service time for Wednesday. What an end to this game as Rotherham United take the lead with three minutes to go. But Sheffield Wednesday will not give in, and Atty Nuiu has equalised with minutes to spare in stoppage time and it is Rotherham United 2 Sheffield Wednesday 2 and after all of that it looks like it's going to end up in a 2 all draw we've had the 7 minutes on my watch the referee will allow play to continue for a few seconds more headed up towards Newyou Newyou's in there Stevie May back heel to Kieran Lee oh. Wednesday 3, you will never see a finish like this again.